0: So my dad's still doing trees, which is unbelievable to me. He might be mad if I say this, but he's close to 70. The other day, he's, he said he climbed up a tree. And I go, I don't know if I can climb up a tree now. I don't know how you're doing it. So he's still out there. He still has his business, still cutting down trees on the weekends. And well, you you have you got
1: just- like, those crampons and the harnesses, and he can hop up like on those uh, lumber competitions on ESPN? Is he able to climb up that way, like phone technicians get up phone poles and stuff?
0: Yeah, so you got the spikes, you got the harness, you got the climbing rope. Look, he might not climb up as fast, but he just did it just the other week. I was talking to him about it. You know, it's one of the most dangerous jobs in in the country, I think, is is tree climbing and being an arborist. And that's why you should
1: invest in SOAC, because the CEO is the son of a guy who's 68 years old and hops up trees like a marsupial.
0: Yeah, it's funny. When he was younger, he'd go without the spikes, which means that you're just (laughs) kind of like... You just kind of like grab with your arms and your legs and just kind of shimmy up there. And that was always impressive to watch him do
1: that. Holy cow, that dig- exhausts me just to think about it. <music>
0: down two trees in the backyard and to avoid climbing up the second one what he would do is he would throw a rope into the second one and then like Tarzan swing over to it so then you don't have to climb up the whole thing <laughs> you know like I said he I more than once you know he or I <laughs> would go to the hospital would need a couple stitches or whatever <laughs> okay.
1: but at least he's telling you to work smarter, not harder.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's a dangerous job, but he'd come down with like getting hit in the head with a log or whatever. didn't kind of come off the tree. Right. And, you know, have a little blood going down or simply, you know, silly things like you accidentally slipped on the, uh, the roof of the bucket truck and then landed and accidentally grabbed the chainsaw. So I had a big, (laughs) you know, just accidents you would never expect happening. Just kind of like just happened. So you gotta be very careful.
1: That's a memoir right there. Just a whole chronicle of dad's injuries while he was climbing up trees. Good Lord. That's phenomenal. I'm saluting him with both arms.
0: (laughs) Yeah, me too.
1: (laughs) I was just in your neighborhood, right? Where You're in New Jersey somewhere, aren't you?
0: That's right. Right near New Brunswick.
1: Did you grow up in New Jersey?
0: I did. I was born and raised in New Jersey in East Brunswick, which is kind of right near New Brunswick as well. I lived in Southern California for two years. That was a great experience. And then I um, lived in uh, Istanbul, Turkey for two years. I did some teaching out there at the start of my career, got an opportunity to travel quite a bit. So that was a really good experience.
1: And I've had discussions with CEOs in the past in terms of they went around, saw a lot, traveled, lived in many places, but then they came home to start their business. Is that important to you?
0: Yeah, I've always felt a tie to New Jersey. I like the East Coast culture and feel. I like that we're close to so many cities. Great area, great state, great city. And uh, it's, it's a great place to
1: live, I think, and raise kids. I mean, yeah, I'm a big fan of people who get that New Jersey is awesome. Especially since, you know, in New Jersey, you can drive six hours and go through six states. And then yeah, I live in the Midwest now, and you can drive six hours and still be in the same state. It's very unnerving. Yeah. And so, yeah, now you say you're you're raising kids there. What's your family like?
0: I have four kids. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So large, large family, although I grew up with six brothers and four sisters. So I'm the third oldest of 11. So when I say I have four kids, yeah, people are, think that's a big family. In, in my mind, that's maybe not quite half of what I grew up with, but uh, we got four great kids. I've uh, been married almost 20 years. And uh, my aunt, the first year- well, You can't
1: of boys, see this, listeners, because you're listening, but Peter is a really youthful looking guy. This guy, if you look at him, he wouldn't say, oh, that guy's been married 20 years and has four kids."
0: I appreciate that, but I definitely feel, I feel that old, if not older.
1: (laughs) See, that's, that's what Paul Rudd says. I really enjoy how he, people always say, gee, you're not aging. And he said, he looks at you and says on the inside, I feel terrible (laughs) (laughs) for sure. And speaking of feeling fantastic on the inside, you are listening to the successfully funded podcast brought to you by Kiwi tech a growing ecosystem of entrepreneurs, investors, mentors, accelerators, incubators, and corporations. We help early and growth stage startups build viable products, drive traction, raise capital, and scale their businesses. Now, before we get started with the CEO and co-founder of SoAct, we have a brief disclaimer to read. These are just the greatest hits. Kiwi Tech is not acting as a broker, dealer, or investment advisor and is not registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission in any such capacities. At no time does KiwiTech provide investment advice, endorsement, analysis, or recommendations with respect to securities. Information contained herein should be viewed for entertainment purposes only. KiwiTech does not verify or assure that information provided by any issuer offering its securities is accurate or complete, or that the valuation of such securities is appropriate. Investing in securities, particularly in securities issued by startup companies, involves substantial risk. And investors should be able to bear the loss of their entire investment. Now, that's, as I say, just the the greatest hits of the complete disclaimer, which you can read on our podcast website, successfullyfundedpodcast.com slash disclaimer. I am your host, Doug French, and we are here to talk about SOACT, a condensed social media app where people can connect to make positive change in the world. I think it's a definite uh, service for its time. And we're here with the co-founder and CEO, Peter Clark. Peter, welcome. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to talking about SoAct. As I mentioned, I think it is a service and an app of its time. I think a lot of people are aware of a lot more that's going on and are aware of our enhanced abilities to act on those things, to make change, and to organize in general. And we were talking a bit about your background as a, as the third of 11 kids. Is that right? That's right. I'm the
0: third oldest of
1: 11. So let's talk about these two traits that you need to possess in order to be in the position you're in. You have to be an entrepreneur and you have to have a real passion towards social justice or affecting positive change. So where do you think that comes from? How do you think a kid who's surrounded by other kids when he grows up kind of develops these two essential skills for being the entrepreneur you are?
0: Yeah, for being entrepreneurial minded or or having that, you know, sense within oneself that they could be successful and, you know, create and build something, I think comes from my dad and my grandfather and, and maybe even my great grandfather. In our family, we have a history of starting businesses. And uh, when I was growing up, you know, money was tight, such a large family to begin with. So my dad always worked two jobs. One of them was your traditional Monday through Friday, nine to five type of job. But then he always, always had his own business on the side where he cut down trees. And he did that because his father started a tree business and his father always had two jobs. So I grew up around it, you know, living it. And I was working with my dad when I was a kid, you know, every Saturday going out there, helping him cut down trees. So I grew up with that mindset and that mentality. And in terms of social justice and social awareness, I don't think I learned that until I was in college and I was going to, uh, I was in Rockers to uh, get my master's in Labor relations uh, and HR, and so I had quite a few labor relation classes where really spoke. They really spoke about the inequality, hiring practices, businesses. I mean, it really was an interesting learning experience and really opened my eyes in quite a few ways to some of the inequalities that are out there. And then I got interested and learned more. And I teamed up with my co-founder Jerusha. So, I think those two reasons and those two skill sets are where I got those.
1: You know, I was thinking about that too, about your weekend job, helping out your your dad with his arborist side hustle. And I think it's interesting that of the jobs you have, I mean it's cutting down trees, that's a very tangible job to have. It'd be one thing you know to be at a at a desk or something on working for your dad, but what do you think being out actually doing physical labor did? to help mold you as an entrepreneur and and dedicating yourself to affecting change you could see? With
0: manual labor, you know, sweat equity is literally sweat equity. We would cut down trees in 110 degree heat. We would cut down trees in snowstorms. I'll never forget, I was maybe 12 years old and we were loading up the equipment and and snow was falling. And I just thought like, why? (laughs) It's a great character builder for sure. I remember, you know, sitting with my dad and kind of looking at his hands and they were weather-worn. I was kind of looking at them, I was like, dad, why do you have these big things on your hand? I didn't know what they were called. And he's like, well, they're calluses. And I go, well, how do you get them? And he's like, well, you don't get them, you earn them. <laughs> so <laughs> that really hit home because not too long ago um, when I was still doing trees, you know, I still had young kids and they did the same thing. They were sitting me with one day and they were kind of like looking at them and they are looking at my hands and they're like, what are these? And I gave them the same speech my, my dad gave me. And so, you know, you really appreciate what it takes to put a business together when you have to do it by the sweat of your brow and your labor and your effort. And you have to go down and, you know, try to get the accounts. And there's a little bit of sales involved because we were, you know, did mostly trees for homeowners and to connect it a little bit to the SOACT purpose and mission and initiative, trying to connect people together. um, When Hurricane Sandy hit here in New Jersey for a time, my dad and I stopped cutting down trees for money. And we started
1: doing it for free. And oh, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, people just had skill sets that needed to be deployed, and uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. So, where did you go to uh, help remove trees that had fallen?
0: Well, for for a little while, we we would just pull up in our trucks with chainsaws, and and because people were in bad ways, right? The trees were on the houses, and. You know, they were on the vehicles and they were just all over the place. And so yeah, we couldn't sustain that, you know, forever. So obviously we had to go back to our business model, but we did try to team up with a couple different groups and people and organizations. Um, And it wasn't super easy to get connected with those people because, you know, at some point it wasn't sustainable to drive to houses that just looked like they had an uprooted tree. And so we were just trying to like word of mouth and just trying to go help people that needed help. We also got involved in you know, going around and gutting the houses that were uh, submerged in water. Here in New Jersey, there was um, a, a town called South River in Saraville. There's a river right that goes between the towns and that, that overflowed and really affected all the houses. And so we went in there with masks and, and just kind of pulled all the sheetrock off. But what I noticed during that time was that there was many, many people able and willing to help. And it was very difficult to organize and communicate who needed help who needed help right now, who needed help tomorrow, and then how did we schedule those things that we would go and do? And so that was kind of you know, one of the reasons I started thinking maybe there's a, a possibility for technology to help out in, in terms of getting these organizations and groups on a single platform to be able to communicate, to organize some of these efforts.
1: I get it, that makes sense, and I, I hear you. I, I did some volunteer work after Sandy as well. I was up in Brooklyn. We were bringing uh, supplies out to people way out in the Rockaways who didn't have any power you know, for forever. We wanted to make sure that the people in Rockaway got what they needed, not just a bunch of stuff that you know, we'd have too much of something, too much diapers and not enough canned food or whatever. And so the main strategy was to create these uh, wedding registries on Amazon and people could look and see, all right, these people need diapers, they need wipes. So, so act I think, sounds like an interesting outcropping of that in that if you need to mobilize and help people communicate to help people in need, uh, this is the kind of app that somebody could use.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And the one of the reasons why it's so unique is that the app has the ability to communicate internally for an internal organization, but then it also has the ability to post and send out information externally. So it has a feed like any social media app would have. But then it also has a very powerful organizational tool within a group or an organization, so they can kind of communicate internally, you know, identify solutions and and needs and resources, and then potentially start presenting that information and sharing it externally uh, on the feed to then request you know donations or 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 kind of communicate with the the community as a whole and as a large and try to present the solutions that they've come up with.
1: So let's talk about let's try to frame this in a way that people can understand based upon the apps we all normally use. Because we mentioned at the top, this is a condensed social media app. So in that way, it's it shares its DNA with a huge app like Facebook, because it's meant to help people interact and communicate and organize. So, But what makes SoAct condensed? What differentiates that, uh, its overall UI and its overall purpose from something, from a large platform like Facebook?
0: Yeah, so it started off as a, a mobile uh, app. So it's not web-based. So it's it's mobile-centric. It's available on Android and iOS devices. So the UX and UI design comes from that perspective. It, do, it doesn't come from a history of being web-based. And so it has a very simple, clean design, very easy to navigate. You're right. It does, though, come out of this history of uh, these other social media apps have been around for many years. And so It is still intuitive where one can go on the app, download it, start navigating it. It has a feed. So that will be normal. Um, you're able to like things, but you can't dislike things. So it's a very positive centric app to where we're trying to generate positivity in terms of communication, but also, you know, just maybe the, the, uh, icons and and emojis and the thumbs up and that type of thing. And then I would say the thing that differentiates us most from other similar tools, or other social media apps is the ability and accessibility to post content and comment on content so we're group centric so that means that if one were to download the app they could operate as an individual user on the app but they could not post content and they couldn't comment on content to be able to do that you'd actually have to join or create a group of at least five people And so that way, you know, there's a little check and balance in in the fact that you're operating as a community and organization as soon as you start using the app to post content or comment on content. And so that is completely different because we're not geared towards millions of users right now overnight with no regard to limitation or quality control. Now, over time, we can improve the app and change the functions and products, but for right now we're so much different than any other product or app out there because we want people to use the app for what it is being proposed to use for, and that's to organize uh, to affect positive change. And, and people can do that virtually or physically. You can do organize virtually on the app, but then also the app has a feature and function that allows you to create an event. So you could post an event, and then you even have the ability to say how many people you want at the event people can then register for the event as an individual or as a group. This feature uh, works for two benefits. One is to your point, if if you're looking to get volunteers and I've been at the situation where they needed five volunteers and 50 people showed up and kind of like people just hanging out then. So this really allows people to understand, okay, they only need 10 people there and that's full. So let me look for another opportunity or they might need 500 people there and only 50 people have applied so let me kind of get my group and we'll get five people in there right away to volunteer and then also it allows if you know if you're not doing a volunteer and you're doing a demonstration or whatever then it allows you know everybody involved in the demonstration to do it in a safe way then the organizers say okay we're looking for five five hundred people to do the demonstration you know 450 people register so it gives everybody a good sense of what do you need for sanitary reasons what do you need in terms of security you know in terms of cleanup because um if you're not aware we're, we're getting tools out here on the app to help people do this kind of organization
1: yeah and I'm, I'm thinking like yeah if they need to get permits for for a gathering i mean that's an important consideration
0: Yeah, the permits. So sometimes people think of permits like a negative thing, but they're very, very positive and useful for organizers for demonstrations and marches because it allows everybody, you know, in the the public to be aware of what's happening, why it's happening, and how it's happening. And then that allows for proper security to be put up, crowd management. And, you know, it'd be surprising, but cleanup is a big thing. And so it allows, you know, the area to be cleaned up. But permits are very helpful. And we are looking to try to get you know, educational resources on the app so that people could better navigate how to how to do their events in the in the safest way possible.
1: And let's talk about that too, because I think when you look at the WeFunder site, which is wefunder.com slash soact, S-O-A-C-T, there's a lot of uh, description there about what is on the app now and what the app plans to involve later on. So if we look at this in the context of how, someone like me could use the app. Like say, for example, I'm in, in Detroit and I see there's a decrepit old community center that I'd like to renovate and bring back to life. What can I hope to achieve on SOACT based upon what exists now? And how uh, do you plan to expand the app's utility? Because again, just to, we want to get a list of like, what's there now versus what there's going to be. And to what extent this equity raise factors into those plans.
0: Yeah. So the app is right now, as people will will know, this term it's an MVP, a minimum viable product. So it is the and that's why we're looking for funding. Our primary purpose to get funding and and try to get investors is to improve the app, you know, make it um, as user friendly as possible so that people really feel there's a value add and downloading the app and, and using it so that it could meet their needs so but right now it could do quite a bit for example you, you might identify there's a community center in in your town and uh it's decrepit and it's falling apart and so you might want to start a group you know that's the the uh, community center improvement group and so you might get four of your friends or four people in the community um and say look let's create a group on SoAct let's invite other people to join where, you know, we think that we can get 25 people together and then you'll invite them to the group. So they download the app, they join the group. And then you'll start off by, you know, communication. So you can chat each other. You could post things internally. So you might tell your group of 25 people, all right, let's really start. Let's create agendas. Let's create like, you know, action plans. Once we have that resolved, let's start posting some of this stuff to the general app so that people can, start communicating and sharing it and that will allow then more people to join your purpose and your cause uh, once you start communicating what you're looking to do and then you might want to create an event on you know a month from now on a saturday for two hours to paint the uh, community center and so you might identify that we need five people um, or 50 people to go to the event we're going to open it up for 50 slots register and join you might identify that you need you know, people to bring paintbrushes or whatever the case is. And so this app allows for that to happen. So in terms of products and features that are coming that you mentioned, you might think of this group and the purpose and cause behind it as an ongoing need. And so you might say, look, the town's really the budget is only X amount a year for this community center, you know, to really get it where it serves the community in the best best way possible. We know that's going to need we're going to need an actual ten thousand dollars a year we are introducing a feature on the app that will allow people we're calling it the collaborate button and so the button will allow people to click and collaborate with you or a group or an organization and so you might have your 25 followers build a following of 500 people And they might follow your group and then you might get 200 of those people say yeah i believe in this and they might click that collaborate button which will then um, allow them to contribute two dollars to you a month and then that is a ongoing revenue stream for your group to then be able to support the community center the other way that this is important and and that people in the social activism area will identify with immediately is a lot of initiatives and activism uh, initiatives purposes causes will start and then they will have trouble continuing because the organizers need need to work full-time jobs or, or they can't afford to take off more time to organize and create events and go to events so there is a need in the marketplace for a way for social activists and organizers community organizers and other people to be able to generate revenue for themselves to do the good work that they're doing And so this collaborate button, you know, you can collaborate to an individual and say, I support this person. They're part of three different groups. I love all of them. I love what this person's about. And this person might identify, like, I would really love to do this full time. And so there's a way to support creators on TikTok and Patreon and a bunch of other apps and and websites do similar things, even podcasts. Right. So you can you can subscribe to a podcast. And you could pay a subscription fee monthly and then support that creator of the podcast. And that allows them to do more podcasts or it allows them to enhance what they're doing. And so this collaborate button is a similar thing where it's a monthly subscription. And then somebody, a social activist can do it full time, spend their full time doing these good initiatives and being self-funded as a kind of an entrepreneur in the social activism space. And then they could have sustainability and longevity and try to accomplish their purposes and missions.
1: And that's an important point, because we're talking about sustainability and longevity. We're talking about money. And we're talking about how there are, you know, if you look at the the industry or the space normally where not-for-profits operate, you're operating this app for profit. And clearly, revenue streams are going to be important in terms of how I, as a user, would pay you. Clearly, you want to create something that benefits everybody. And at the same time, and I've had discussions about this before, about people in the industry who need not to be seen as you know profiting off of people's misery you have to recognize there's no such thing as a free lunch but you also recognize that most of this income has to be toward the progress itself so let's talk about revenue let's talk about how your revenue is going to increase if that is solely by volume or if you have like subscription services advertising maybe white label some of your technology what thoughts do you have about how your stream is going to sustain?
0: Yeah, so we currently have two ways to generate uh, revenue and income and, and generate profit on the app right now. One is the ability for people to create an advertisement, and that's a, your classic you know, uh, PPV uh, pay-per-view kind of model. And then the revenue stream that will impact us uh, the most by the end of the year Would be the enhanced profile. So, if an organization gets on the app, they can do that for free, but it comes with limitations. So, they're limited on the number of members that they could have, and they're they're limited on a few other things. But if they pay a yearly subscription of four hundred dollars for the year, they can get an enhanced profile for the organization, and that will unlock additional features and functions. One being they would be able to customize awards uh, that they could give out to people. So, right now on the app if someone creates an event, they can give out an award for the people that go there or a recognition for people that go to that event. If an organization paid the $400 for a yearly subscription for enhanced profile, that would allow them to give out a customized award it would allow them to increase the size of their their organization and there's two other things that we're looking to do next to create a revenue stream the one would be the ability to sell products on the app we have a lot of organizations for profit organizations non-for-profit organizations that have their own revenue streams where they sell products and so if you think about a company like patagonia or tom shoes they're a, in many ways a mission-driven company where they do have social activism as part of their business model. And so what they could do is they could promote that on the app, or they can, might want to come out with special products to sell on the app or just promoting it on the app. And then the next revenue stream would be the, the that collaborate button that I talk about. So you're correct, there would be a, a service fee to do that. So if someone you know subscribes to collaborate with an individual, a group or an organization, and they're committing not a donation, but a two dollar subscription fee to that person or a group organization. Obviously, So Act would have to get a um, service fee for that, and so that would probably be a very substantial revenue stream for the company. But more importantly, for the activists, because they would be getting you know the majority of the of the subscription fee, and they would be able to go out and focus on what they need to focus. And you're absolutely right; we're a for-profit company, and so what we are trying to do is we're trying to do a uh, bring a for-profit model into the social activism space so that we can uh, grow fast, we can build fast, but we can build a, but also so we could build a very effective uh, application that really benefits the users and
1: benefits the activists. And so that's kind of what we're looking to do. And I wanted to address that too. I think when you look at initial growth versus extended growth, since it is an app, your users are going to skew younger. You're going to definitely target, at least initially, uh, millennials and Gen Z and people who are far more familiar with apps. And so as you look to expand and maybe involve older people who are less well versed in apps, to what extent do you think uh, your expansion will rely on um, education and helping to incorporate people to get more used to and comfortable with a mobile interface to get their work done?
0: So I think a lot of education is needed for the app in general. We have to educate people on that, on what the app is, why we're for profit model and how that's going to help everybody collectively. But we also have to kind of educate people on activism. You know, some people, when we say social activism, they think, oh, that's like demonstrations and marches. And it's much more than that. It's about caring for the elderly. It's about caring for our community food banks. It's about volunteering at the Red Cross. It's about organizing blood drives. That's a huge issue right now is, is we need more blood in the blood banks and so social activism really spans across the world and we really have to kind of like help people understand that and that covers such a broad range and then to your point is you know i you know my my son uh, he's 16 he's on the app he started using and he gave me great feedback right away it's good to see his perspective versus my perspective and then we have some co-founders that span the age range as well As we bring on investors and and more partners and more people that want to contribute and be part of what we're doing, we're looking for multiple voices from the younger generation and, and even the older generations Um, And I do think we are getting to a place where, you know, technology is pretty, um, you know, I don't wanna say completely ubiquitous, but it's really out there. So I'm optimistic that people, you know, once we educate them on the purpose of the app and the reason for it and what we're looking to do, once they actually download the app, I think it's pretty intuitive, has a really good UX UI design. And so I I think the barrier for that will be pretty limited. I think we'll be very successful once people are using the app, I think they'll figure it out pretty quickly.
1: But and I, it's great too that you're able to use your kids for market research. That's that's fantastic. Have, you have four kids, and you say your 16 year old is your oldest.
0: Yeah, so my 16 year old is the oldest. The 16 year old is a little bit a little bit better at getting his friends on, and so it's definitely a nice uh, a nice source of kind of like on the ground real time uh, feedback from him.
1: And when you look at the feedback that you've gotten from users, and surround yourself with people who understand the tech, like Jerusha and your other partners who complement your own skill set. How long did this app take from drawing board to its current state? And what was it like doing the trial and error? And what kind of tweaking did you have to do? And what's the experience been like trying to develop this thing into the app you know it can be?
0: It's been hard, right? So yeah, you know, I had the idea years ago and and kind of talked to people about it and workshopped it around. And then Drush and I got connected and I kind of Told her about the idea we're coming up on two years ago when we had that initial conversation of do you want to do this what do we think about this you know do you think it will help people you know and then do we think it will be successful and then um you know started putting things together Jerusha is the cmo the chief marketing officer but we, we put that all together starting started to reach out to other people looking for other co-founders um but it's mostly Jerusha and i and so it was about a year before we launched the app in its initial version and then we started to pilot it, test it, get feedback, you know, send it out to people we knew, try to get as many people as we on as we could to get us feedback. And then got it to a place recently, just a few months ago, to where we thought it was good to start marketing it and going to the wider public to one, get investors and investment. And then two, actually getting people using it. And, and we have a few thousand people on there now, and we're looking to grow that space for sure.
1: And yeah, you really have to market this aggressively. I'm glad you guys have a consumer base already and can therefore start building word of mouth campaigns and testimonials. And, you know, so many companies at this fragile stage are all about people indicating their initial happiness with your product. So yeah. Um, what has the marketing been like? Uh, what have you relied on so far? and what do you hope to do uh, with a bit of money to use to try and expand your customer base? because there are so many people out there who want to do good and do well and aren't quite sure how to do it. And I think a real benefit to SoAC will be to teach people how to focus their energies and find something that they want to get involved in.
0: One of the things that people aren't used to is that thing that we already talked about where you can't go on the app and just start posting things right. There's a little control there, where you have to be part of a group of four other people and so that's a new thing that we have to educate people on and and, you know once we explain to them why they can immediately see the value where. Oh, I see if you're part of a group of four other people you kind of want to are you know kind of want to make sure that you're operating in, in a good authentic, transparent way. And the other feedback that we're getting is that people want more. They want more features, they want more functions. They really want more things on the app that will help them communicate and, and grow their audience more and grow their groups more so they can help other people.
1: You want a steady subscriber base and you want them to know that they're getting a lot for what they're paying.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. If you're going to join as an organization and you're going to pay that yearly subscription of $400, for sure you want to know that there's going to be enough of an audience um, on the app to be able to generate you know, the views and the interaction that you're looking for. Like I said, though, I think there's there'll be two things that we, we'd be looking to do with the investment that we get. And the one is to improve uh, the app and the second is to market. And one of the ways that apps and social media apps are able to connect with um, individuals and, and get them on is to kind of go out there, get your name known, present your value proposition to people, organizations, and groups. But the more people that we can get to do that, you know, hire people to help us grow and develop those relationships and, you know, there's critical mass that you want to hit. So for sure, investment dollars are going to go to that, at that initiative marketing and getting people on the app.
1: And just so I'm clear, as far as the Revenue model, I mean, who pays the annual subscription? Is it like organizations and that way they can kind of spread the cost among their organizers or their members? Is it, is it only an annual subscription? Is there a monthly option as well? Or are you trying to, you know, get people in, in for a penny, in for a pound and commit to their process so they'll stay with it for a year?
0: Yeah, I, we're looking for people that are going to commit. So it's not a monthly subscription; it's a one-time yearly uh, fee. You know, four hundred dollars is a lot of money for sure for a lot of organizations. It's is you know for part of their budget budget, it'd be very small. Yeah. So the revenue model for the subscription is for organizations only. Then they would pay it up front, get it for the year, and start unlocking those um, resources. They usually have the budget to do that. If they don't, they can still use the or organizational part of the app, they're just be limited on the features and functions that they'd be able to use uh, in regards to that.
1: But there would be, I guess, a group could, if they wanted to use the full functionality of the app, they could get a sponsor.
0: Right, yes, you're absolutely right. So yeah, so if you're a group and you might be friends uh, friends of the Red Cross and you might say, go to the Red Cross and say, Hey, like we're really passionate about organizing blood drives. We know that you need help doing that. Yeah. Can you sponsor us so we can unlock the uh, profile here? And that'd be, that'd be a great collaboration. And I think a perfect use of the
1: app. For sure. Especially if you do evolve and are able to develop some kind of a B2B relationship where you can start offering, you know, turnkey services. I mean, there's, there are some options here, especially as the overall usage gets traction. And as you get more feedback in terms of what's useful what's usable, and how to expand the reach in general so you can both get as many people involved, but perhaps in a more targeted sense. And as far as a business model goes, I mean, to what extent do you feel you had to reinvent the wheel? There are plenty of for-profit apps and services doing something similar. What do you think about your business model? Have you had to tweak a bit that makes it specific to SoAct, or is there a model that you know works that's boilerplate and why fix what ain't broken?
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The model's been out there for for decades—not that many decades, but a few, maybe twenty years or so. And so the model
1: is been- decades. I think so, right? Is that li- literally twenty years is the minimum for decades? So I think you're good.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been out there for about twenty years. Um, certainly refined in the last ten years. We have a very good model for social media companies and app companies. So, you know, that's another reason why is we're for profit, and not for profit, because the model is um, easier, it's more tested, it's proven to be true in the marketplace. And again, just ultimately helps us build and scale and, and meet our uh, objective a little bit faster and quicker and more efficiently. You know, you create a great app, a great product that helps people, you know, there's a, a there's a, a need for it in the market, it provides a solution to a need and a problem. We want somewhere where we can organize that's not, you know, one of these big social media companies out there that kind of like tracks our data and information. We want a safe place where we can organize um, that resonates with people right away and they understand it. And then, you know, when we talk to investors, you know, they understand it right away, too. It's a for-profit social media mobile application. And then with that, you know, critical mass and those users and that content being generated, you have revenue streams like the uh, advertisements that people can create and post. You know, Snapchat does that very effectively. TikTok does it very effectively. Then you have the, the subscription model where people can subscribe to individuals, groups, organizations. And, you know, Patreon does that effectively. Podcasts do that very effectively. Um, You know, even even if you think about the streaming service, Netflix and others, it's the similar model. Someone's creating content and then you you have a mass number of people subscribing to that content because they believe and support it. Um, And then, you know, we have the other model that would be coming later where, you know, people could promote and sell product on there if you think. Think of Etsy, you know, very similar. You have you know individual people that are, or or, or uh, companies that are creating great product and and either promoting it or selling it on that platform. So these are the things that we're trying to bring together. You know, definitely with a focus on social activism.
1: Well, and let's talk about positive change here as we wind down. I want to talk a bit a bit uh, more existential. We'll put aside your activist hat and your. Capitalist hat and your entrepreneur hat, and put on your philosopher hat for a second. When you talk about positive change, if anything, social media has taught us over the past uh, several years, it's that there's a wide spectrum of what people think is positive. And to what extent, when you're on a platform that encourages people to post their own content and organize to affect change, as you get larger, to what extent do you think there will be? a thornier editorial stance that you'll need to take in terms of deciding what's positive and what isn't. You clearly have a a very small needle to thread in terms of recognizing, you know, we want to, we want all customers. We want to, we have a profit motive. we, We want people to be encouraged to take part with us. But to what extent do you anticipate needing to impose some sort of an editorial judgment in terms of what's positive and who can operate on your app and who shouldn't?
0: Yeah, this is a huge issue for current companies—not um, only social media companies, not only tech companies, but but every company, right? E- even you know retail companies like Walmart—they have to select what they are or aren't going to sell in a store, how they will or won't allow promotion or design of certain things that they sell. And it's a question I get often. It's a super important question. It was one of the first questions that Drew and I, you know, asked each other. You know i'm okay saying we don't want every customer though so i'm okay saying that we don't want anyone anyone who's going to be on the app that is acting in bad faith or in poor taste or or acting um you know in, in an inappropriate way i mean i'm okay if if someone's going to use the app like that saying we don't want them as a customer i think Drewish and i can would you know would definitely say that and be open about that but i do think we want to be optimistic and say that you know we do want the app to to be inclusive and we're, you know, as a company and as an app, we're politically agnostic. You know, we do have a policy agreement and a user agreement in place, um, and that will certainly have to evolve and improve over time. But but when people download and use the app, they certainly agree to use it under certain for certain reasons and for certain conditions. I don't think I'm the ultimate person though to decide what's positive and what's not positive. I think as we get more users and we expand the way that we plan to and we plan to get millions of users, then I think what you need is you need a board of people in place with diverse perspectives and and with the idea of being optimistic and positive uh, to try to include as much as you can to create discussion and dialogue because there are things that we can unanimously agree on right like you know the blood blank banks are kind of you know in trouble and we need to try to generate blood donations. I think that's an easy thing to say that's that's positive right like that's easy to say, but then you get to other issues and topics that might be more divisive and might be unclear. And then not just rely though on technology to police that. And then you have remediation steps to do that, right? Notifications, um, warnings, you know, disclaimers. Um, depending on the infraction, you know, those could be fairly mild or very severe, like lifetime ban of the app. That is the goal. Everyone has to deal with it. We're dealing with it, but we are dedicated to having open conversations and being transparent about how to move forward with that issue. But it's a super important one.
1: Well, I like all the issues you're confronting right now, I wish you the best of luck with that. We've seen all sorts of organizations struggle with that very thought. And clearly, when you think about inevitable growing pains, uh, that's going to be one of them. And I wish you all the best of luck with this. And for anybody who's listening, where's the best place to go online to look for more about what SOACT is doing, how it's evolving, and where they can contribute?
0: Yeah. So the best place is if you go to soactapp.com. So S-O-A-C-T-A-P-P.com. That will have links to our WeFunder page. Um, It'll have links to all of our social media. It'll um, have a um, email um, uh, list that you could join. So soactapp.com. Um, will get you to our website and that has all the information that you would want about the company and where to connect with us on, um, you know, we're on the, the other social media apps, obviously. And so you can connect with us in multiple different ways. Um, and then obviously, um, if you have an Android or iOS device, you look up so Act, SOACT, S-O-A-C-T, um, and that should bring up our app right away, download it, you know, create an account. It's fairly simple, you know, and we don't we don't track information. So we, we ask for only the information we need so that you can start using the app. So we don't track or sell information at all. Um, so once you create an account and you verify it through your email, you'll be into the app, you create, you get four other people involved, you can create a group and start organizing.
1: That's an important point too. It, the fact that you can download the app for free, get a sense of how it operates, look around and see how it works and help the app build initially through word of mouth, help people recognize that this is serving a lot of important purposes and we have the technology to avail ourselves of the opportunity to meet people with like-minded interests to organize and, and help build a better world for those four kids of yours. So uh, thanks again for the discussion, and I wish you all the best.
0: Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Everybody, you have been listening to episode 245 of the successfully funded podcast hosted by me, Doug French, and our guest, co-founder and CEO of the SOAC app, Peter Clark thanks again for listening. I hope you're staying cool and your family's safe and you're having a great summer. And we'll be back next time with stories of another entrepreneur doing another great thing. Until then, see you soon.